WTEL podcasts are powered by Stanley Steamer Air Duct Cleaning, Delaware's clean air experts. Call 1-800-STEAMER. And of course, continuing coverage of the aftermath of the hurricane. But for many people, psychologically, it's not the aftermath. It is certainly ongoing. FEMA teams checking on areas heavily damaged by Hurricane Michael. Briefing reporters in Washington, FEMA Chief Brock Long called it a big day for his agency. He said access to large parts of the Florida Panhandle and South Georgia are challenging. Parts of North Carolina and South Central Virginia even dealing with flash flooding from Tropical Storm Michael. It's been rapidly moving, to say the least. Monitoring all this, Jason Saminal, weather editor, Washington Post, WashingtonPost.com. Uh, Jason, what, what strikes you the most? What to you are the biggest storylines today on this? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just the uh, incredible amount of devastation in the, along the coast of the Florida Panhandle. I mean, looking at some of those um, uh, helicopter views of the uh, extensive devastation and destruction, um, houses entirely uh, wiped clean off their foundation um, due to the storm surge and the, and the damage from the wind as well. Um, you know, this is a historical hurricane, one of the strongest on record. And I think to me, um, you know, today is the day we're really uh, seeing uh, how catastrophic the storm was. I think yesterday, as it was unfolding, um, it wasn't clear, and that's often the case with these storms. It takes some time um, until the uh, full extent of the devastation manifests itself. How great of a danger that we will hear about significantly more fatalities when they get in there. You know, that's hard to know. I think, you know, the good news is that this was pretty well forecast. Uh, you know, hurricane warnings were and watches were issued, uh, you know, 36, 48 hours in advance. Um, the, the, the storm was a uh, surprise in how fast it intensified. I think, um, you know, as of Tuesday, we knew it would probably be, um, you know, Category 2 or 3, maybe a major hurricane at landfall. But the fact that we got almost to Category 5, uh, 155 miles per hour winds, and then it strengthened right up until landfall, um, did uh, surprise forecasters. We always know this is a risk when storms are moving over the warm waters of the Gulf of Mexico, uh, that they can explode. I mean, if you recall the, the 2005 hurricane season when we had uh, Katrina and Rita, both those storms rapidly intensified. But um, uh, none of the computer models actually had, or very few of the computer models actually had, um, Michael getting as strong as it as it got, and it's, as it, as I said, it strengthened right up until landfall. I mean, do we know how many people did not evacuate uh, as a result of that? Uh, that that they, you know, were led to believe it was not going to be as intense. You know, I think the storm surge projections, which is the basis of uh, evacuations, those didn't change that much, and 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 so um, you know, a number of counties in. Um, Along uh, the Florida Panhandle and the Big Bend area, issued mandatory evacuations based on projections for for a storm surge of six ten up to fourteen feet, and so that those projections didn't change a lot, even though the uh, storm rapidly intensified. I mean, we knew due to the shape of the coast there and the fact that this was probably going to be at least a category of two or three that the, the surge was going to be dangerous and people needed to get out of the way. So I think the evacuation orders were um, effective. Uh, how many people didn't heed them because it was only going to be a two or a three instead of a four, that's hard to say, and we won't know that until people actually interview people after the storm. I mean, any chance this becomes Puerto Rico in the sense of uh, a much vaster death toll than earlier surmised? You know, nothing I've seen so far today following the news would indicate that, um, you know, one of the, one of the reasons uh, Maria was so devastating and so deadly in, in Puerto Rico was because of the power outages, which last, lasted months. And so you had frail, uh, sick people who weren't able to get the medical attention they needed. 
Uh, I don't, and of I don't course, we'll naturally hot. I mean, it's going to cool down. Yes, yeah, that's that's the saving grace here too. Is that we've got this big cold front sweeping through, so the heat and humidity, which has been locked over the eastern third of the nation, you know, for the last several weeks, is finally going to be uh, pushed out of here. Uh, Jason, in terms of being a historic storm, uh, let's not forget also the ground saturation already in the Carolinas and then revisiting uh, some of the affected regions of the Carolinas. And then uh, we're seeing the possibility that it comes off the coast and maybe re-intensifies again. I mean, uh, the chances it could become yet another tropical storm or even a hurricane again? Yeah, so it's not going to become a tropical storm or hurricane again once it emerges off the, off the coast. It's going to transition to a post-tropical storm. will re-intensify, but over the ocean. So uh, the, uh, the lower 48 will be done with this storm tomorrow. That's good news. But as you said, we are dealing with flash flooding right now um, in uh, western and central North Carolina, southwest and central Virginia. Flash flood emergency right now around Roanoke, which is the most, most extreme flood alert in so um, we're, we're dealing with a lot of effects from this still, even as we speak. And finally, you as weather editor, whether uh, you would uh, reflect on uh, this notion that we had a uh, pretty good number of uh, predicted uh, storms, tropical storms this year, then uh, the number was revised downwards. But the ones we did get, I mean, this incredibly slow-moving, slow-moving Florence, which, uh, of course, uh, made the effects all the more catastrophic in uh, Carolinas, and uh, then this one, as you say, that uh, built up from uh, not so much to uh, very, very significant. Uh, so we've got fewer so far, knock on wood, but uh, they were certainly both very unique. Yeah, yeah, it all depends on where these storms make landfall and if they make landfall. Some years you have a ton of storms and they stay out to sea. You may have a hyperactive hurricane season, but the toll on life and property is small because they're um, they're over the open uh, they're over the open ocean. The last two hurricane seasons, we have been unlucky in that uh, the most intense storms have all made landfall. We had three Category 4s last year, and now we've got a Category 4 um, with Michael, and we had um, you know Florence, which was its own animal. So, um, yes, I mean, it, it, the, these predictions for uh, near-normal seasons, uh, they're not that meaningful because we don't know where these storms are going to strike. Um, until three to five days in advance. And here we go again. Of course, uh, one or even two storms doesn't tell you overall climate long term, but you know where I'm going here. I mean, we're getting this again on on the whole global warming uh, category and also, well, paradoxically, how some of the stricken areas uh, are represented by politicians that have denied it. Yeah, I mean, I think with hurricanes, it's um, it's a challenging issue in that uh, if we look at the long-term records, there's not a strong signal to this point. But at the same time, um, sea surface temperatures are rising, and when the waters are warmer, uh, they serve as fuel for these storms. Uh, Michael passed over water, which was 2 to 4 degrees warmer than normal. Uh, so uh, you could say potentially that uh, climate change amped this storm up a little bit. There have been studies which showed that uh, Hurricane Harvey's rainfall, remember uh, five feet of rain mm. in southeast Texas, that, that that rainfall may have been intensified by climate change by up to 30% because when you warm up the ocean, there's more water vapor in the air available to the storms, and they can rain out more, and uh, they can become potentially more intense, and computer model projections do show these storms gradually becoming more intense in future decades. But again, you know, we've had, we, we, we had strong storms in the past, uh, there's a lot of variability year to year in the number of storms that we get and how strong they are, but the long-term trend based on 
what we know, and uh, based on computer model projections, do suggest they'll become a little bit stronger. And I know going to British Media Online, uh, they've had, the British Isles have had some of these tropical storms. I don't know how abnormal it is, but got my attention. Sure. So a lot of times when these, uh, the, these uh, tropical storms and hurricanes, they form in the uh, western Atlantic. They get carried by the jet stream uh, across the ocean, and they're former hurricanes, and they're sort of non-tropical storms. But, but they have this tropical pedigree, so that does happen. I, I recall last year there was one named Aphilia, which uh, uh, remained remarkably strong uh, very far to the north in latitude uh, near Europe. So that was an unusual one. And so um, one climate change uh, hypothesis is that the, uh, the breeding grounds for these storms will expand as the oceans warm. Now, whether that's happening so far, hard to say, but um, you do sometimes see these storms getting carried across the ocean and having effects in Europe. All right, Jason, got to move on. Uh, You do, too. Thank you so much for your time. You bet. Thank you. Take care. Jason Salmonow, weather editor, Washington Post, WashingtonPost.com, with us live here on WDEL, Delaware Afternoon News.